Hello, you're listening to the Bonded Books Podcast, where we discuss books, fight over book boyfriends, and the lack of filter is a family trait. If you're lucky, you might even hear one of our dogs barking in the background. Because hey, if we have to deal with them, then so do you. We hope to dazzle you with our discussion while not being hurtful to the authors we feature. Success not guaranteed. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Hi, honey. Hi. I don't know. I don't know how this is going to go today because I was sitting here waiting and I thought, oh, I'll have a throat lozenger because my throat is a little scratchy and I swallowed wrong and couldn't stop coughing and now my throat's all jacked up. Awesome. Yeah. (laughs) It's okay. I'm sitting here thinking, I I don't know if I have anything witty to say. Oh, I'm just so like tired. I feel like a zombie. Why? Well, what's up? Nothing. It's just, you know, Life. the usual. I'm just, I feel not as caffeinated as I normally am, Ugh. even though I have had a lot of coffee. So there's no excuse for it. I hear you. There's a fine line between me waking up and then dealing with stomach issues all day. <laughs> for God's sake, that freaking dog. <laughs> The whole time I was coughing, he didn't say two goddamn words. The instant we start talking, hold on. Okay. <laughs> Are you there? Of course. Okay. Yeah. So uh, they thought someone was at the door, which of course they weren't. It's just the wind blowing. Okay. I just got back from the grocery store and I was thinking I've got to get some healthy smoothies in the frozen section because I'm eating like crap and I'm not losing any weight because I just have no control and i look everywhere they don't have any smoothies but what do they have individual sized pieces of german chocolate cake with coconut pecan frosting were you in the bakery or were you in the frozen section it sounds like you were in the wrong section <laughs> i started in the frozen section but ended mm. in the bakery section messy okay okay <laughs> yeah and i not only did i get one i got two nice I'm like, oh, God. And then I got home and I'm like, I'm hungry. I need to eat something real fast before we do this. Like, eat something healthy. So I'm like, I'm trying to inhale my yogurt. So I do that. And then I turn around. There's that German chocolate cake. (laughs) (laughs) Damn it! (laughs) Sitting on the counter. Like, well, I'll just have a bite. So half the German chocolate cake's gone now. (laughs) (laughs) That was one big bite. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Then I choked on a cough lozenger. And that's how we are where we are. I like it. I went to the grocery store as well. Oh, poor this thing. This morning. Yeah. And we're recording this the day before Mother's Day. God help us. <laughs> for the recording or for Mother's Day? Or for both? We're going to the grocery <laughs> store the day before Mother's Day. I'm like, what were you thinking? It was either that or go on Mother's Day. I don't know what would have been worse. Oh, yeah. No. So I I went this morning. I went pretty early. I left the house before 8am. So I went to the grocery store. I had to go all through the bakery and all through the bread aisle because I want to do French toast and I couldn't find any freaking bread. No, no. So then I went across the street to another grocery store, which is like a slightly fancier grocery store. Mm -hmm. I'm like, they've got to have it. I looked all through their entire bakery section. I finally don't see the bread that I'm like, 
really wanted to get. So I just like end up Googling like what's the best bread for French toast because I'm like sheer desperation at this point. But I I have to applaud myself for thoroughly examining (laughs) every loaf of bread in two grocery stores. Mm. I actually didn't buy anything from there except for the bread for... No, I did find bread to use. That's the only thing. I looked at all the cookies, all the cakes in two grocery stores. Okay, great. Fine. I'm happy for you. I hope you had a visual stimulation orgasm i did but i did i will confess i did buy a big container of cinnamon bears <laughs> at oh one of the God, stores that is, i love those things <laughs> that is hilarious because i was looking for wintergreen lifesavers because i love them Mm-hmm. And it was the first time ever I saw cinnamon bears and I pick, I'm like, oh my God, cinnamon bears. I love them. And I picked up the bag, I had mm-hmm. it in my hand, but then I thought I- my jaw can't even handle yeah, water. That'll... How the hell am I going to eat a cinnamon bear? <laughs> you won't. So I bought some of those for myself and then I got candy corn for the girls because we are some of the weird people that actually enjoy candy corn. That's disgusting. <laughs> candy corn's delicious. Oh my God. Okay. <laughs> And I'm sorry, but you have to eat it by color. You can't just throw the whole piece of candy corn in your mouth like a heathen. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm glad you have some class. You have it down to a fine art. (laughs) The candy corn connoisseur. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Maybe we should just do podcasts about candy and German chocolate cake temptation. Oh, my God. We could. Why didn't you just buy sliced bread? No, I did. Well, what but the I hell? was nobody had sliced bread. Oh, I don't want to use like a like a loaf of regular white bread. You mean? Yes. It's Mother's Day. I wanted like fancy, like thicker bread. The thick Texas toast. Yeah, which apparently they don't make anymore. So no, they don't. I couldn't. I that's what I was looking for in both grocery stores. I couldn't find it. I ended up getting brioche. I'm like, fine, whatever. What the hell is? <laughs> does it have a hard crust? Because you know I won't be able to eat it. No. Okay. Good. No, it's it's still like a loaf of bread, but okay. it's like a little bit denser. Okay. And it, did they say that's the best? What did Martha Stewart say was the best bread? That's your go-to all the time. I I just googled it, but it did say the number one thing to pick was brioche. So I was like, perfect. Well, there you go. I'll be- and I got uh, regular bacon because they didn't have any turkey bacon at the grocery store. Get out! Even though pork is ridiculously expensive right now. Yeah, I, well, I wouldn't have done it. It was on sale. Oh. One package of Oscar Mayer bacon, one package was on sale for $8. Fucking ridiculous. That is ridiculous. You know, you could always walk over to the butcher department and they sell individual pieces of bacon. I guess. I don't, I never think of going to the butcher. <laughs> okay, sorry. It's okay. The fish is over by the butcher, so that's why I always end up there. I forgot yeah, all about Yeah, so now that we're both really hungry, I know, we start? yeah, let's start chatting. <laughs> <laughs> Lunch is coming up, and God knows I can't miss that. Yeah, no, we don't skip meals here. That'd be ridiculous. <laughs> God! <laughs> I hate all those people that can actually do a diet. Yeah, well, good for them. Yeah, good for them. <laughs> Did I sound sincere? Because I wasn't. No, you didn't. <laughs> Okay. (laughs) Okay. So today, uh, this is going to be another two-parter, just like the last episodes. So this is going to be part one of a podcast episode talking about Kiss of Midnight by Lara Adrian. And it's book number one in the Midnight Breed series. Yes, it is. It's the first time we're reading this author, both of us, right? Yes. 
Okay. Never read this author, never heard of this author. And so before we started, I don't usually point out content warnings or like trigger warnings, but because this happened so much in this book, I feel like we should actually point it out some content warnings. I agree. So there are discussions several times of suicide and self-harm. Those things happen I don't really know how to describe it. There's discussions of self-harm, but then there's also discussions of suicide and suicide on the page, I suppose you should say. So um, just keep that in mind. And if those are triggers for you, then um, skip this episode. Yeah. Go to the store and see if you can find some German chocolate cake. It's delicious. Yes, it is very good. Mm -hmm. This book was 34 chapters. So since we're doing two parts, I was thinking we would just do through chapter 17. That's fine. It's fine? Okay, good. Because it's it's a lot. I've never been so agreeable in my life since we started this thing. Whatever you want. (laughs) I'm just grateful that you're speaking to me. So Okay. (laughs) Some people don't speak to their parents well i don't speak to one of my parents so well, yeah i don't either <laughs> yeah yeah we start to t- oh god you you and jeff better <laughs> roll the dice with your kids be extra nice to them both of you if anything through the generations yeah you know is uh history repeating itself he's the one that's in trouble not me <laughs> <laughs> that's very true okay <laughs> all right so i'm good all right so- uh Anyways, so do you want to start with the, there was a prologue. Do you want to start with the prologue or do you want me to start or what do you think? I'll start. Who knows when my book is going to give out. So I'll start. Okay. So (laughs) in the prologue, it takes place 27 years ago and it's one o'clock in the morning and there's a teenage girl on a bus headed to New York to fulfill her dream of becoming a dancer or rock cat or whatever. She's got a baby in her. I thought those were lofty dreams. I was like, oh, your dream is to become a rock cat. Those are totally <laughs> lofty dreams. I'm like, who the hell does this girl think she is? But okay. Yeah. Have you seen a rock cat? Okay. They're stunning. Her baby won't stop crying. And she starts talking to a guy that's sitting next to her on the bus. He asks her, do you want to stop and get something to eat with him in when they stop in Boston? She ends up saying no so that she can take care of the baby because she's got to change the baby and feed the baby. Still can't get it to stop crying. She goes into the restroom to change the baby. And when she comes out of the bathroom the guy from the bus is waiting for her he pounces on her and bites her in the neck she freaks out thinking it's a vampire and she notices another strange scary looking guy standing off to the side and the vampire attacking her tells her don't make any noise or i'm gonna kill you and i'm gonna kill the baby and the second guy ends up saying to her take the child and go in mind speak so he she can hear him i guess in her head she manages to push him away the vampire away she ends up running away down the alley trying to shush her baby and she's very disoriented because who wouldn't be she's lost a lot of blood so she's really disoriented from the blood loss prologue ends with her like in a random alleyway and she's trying to like quiet the baby Yes. First chapter starts with present day. Now it's present day and a woman named Gabrielle Maxwell is a photographer and she's having an exhibit of her 
artwork at a gallery that is owned by one of her friends. Uh, Her friend's name is Jamie. She is kind of suffering through the exhibit while she waits for it to end so that her, her friend Jamie, and then two other friends, uh, girls named Kendra and Megan, can go out to dinner afterwards and kind of do like a celebration dinner, her having an art exhibit. Gabrielle feels like an outsider um, even when she is surrounded by a group full of people. It's kind of like she's an introvert but to the extreme Mm -hmm. and she thinks about how she feels like an outsider in all aspects of her life on the car ride to the dinner after the exhibit they end up making a last minute change of plans and telling the taxi driver we're gonna go dancing instead there's this new dance club that opened up called la note so while they're in that club Gabrielle notices a dark and mysterious stranger looking at her from across the club. And even though they're in the club, the guy's wearing sunglasses. Yes, he is. (laughs) I thought that was hilarious. Yeah, me too. And so this guy is described as having spiky black hair falling loosely around a broad, intelligent brow and lean, angular cheeks a strong, stern jaw, and his mouth. His mouth was generous and sensual, even when quirked in that cynical, almost cruel line. This girl's got some eyesight. Yeah, well, she's a photographer, so I guess she's supposed to be... Notice all of um, that. Good mm-hmm. noticing. She's good at noticing things. All right. So she's looking at that mysterious stranger, and then a fight ends up breaking out in the club, and so she, like, I would say she breaks eye contact with him, but he is wearing sunglasses. <laughs> so she looks away from him uh-huh. to look at this fight that's breaking out, and the fight is five guys in dark leather, and they're also wearing sunglasses. Yes. And they're fighting with one guy who's wearing a dead Kennedy's wife beater. Okay, so now I have to do a side note (laughs) that this book was written in like 2007, Mm -hmm. but there's so many things in here that scream the 90s to me. Was anybody wearing a dead Kennedy's t-shirt in the 2000s? I don't think so. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I was like, oh yeah, I know I've heard of the Dead Kennedys, but I couldn't name one song they did. Yeah, I remember the Dead Kennedys like shirts and this kind of thing being really popular when I was in high school, Mm -hmm. which was in the 90s. As soon as this reference came up, and it's not even a shirt, it's a wife beater. Yeah. I don't even know if they ever made these things, but okay. (laughs) Yeah, I had to look up when this book was written. And I think it was released in 2007. Did you look up when the Dead Kennedys were popular? I don't know when they were ever popular, but they had their albums released like way before 2007. And I gotta say, to have a Pink Floyd or Led Zeppelin or Rolling Stones shirt, that is one thing because I have them. But to have a Dead Kennedys shirt, I don't think they rank the pie. he deserved to get beat up let's just say that oh my god <laughs> it's very hot topic of this guy in the club you know he's like one of those kids that shops at hot topic and he just buys like an old band shirt thinking it's cool oh hot but... topic the store i thought you meant everyone was talking about <laughs> Oh no, Hot Topic the store, which I loved when I was a kid Mm -hmm. and I still love going in there. So they have some fun stuff in there. Mm -hmm. But anyways, I appreciated the Dead Kennedys reference in this book, even though I felt like it was wildly out of place. 
Yeah. Okay. That fight's happening. Gabrielle's friends are dancing and having a bunch of fun, but she isn't because she just doesn't really do that because she's such a loner, Mm -hmm. oddball out, misfit kind of kid, I guess. Mm -hmm. Not kid. She's in her late 20s. Even her friend Kendra is hooking up with some random guy in the club named Brent. Mm -hmm. And Brent has a table in the table service section, I guess. And Kendra wants all of them to move over there to hang out with him. Gabrielle says she doesn't want to because she's going to go home. Let me uh, interrupt for a second. I want to make a PSA. Never, ever, ever, as in never, leave, let your friend leave a club by herself. If there's some of you there, can you not walk her outside just don't freaking do it it never ends well okay go ahead i agree it either doesn't end well for the person leaving the club on their own or for the person staying at the club to continue part this is like if you come together you leave together girl scout girl 101 basics 101 like you don't no man left behind like no no bitches left behind okay (laughs) absolutely but her friends let her leave which is just ridiculous Mm -hmm. so she goes to leave when she gets outside she sees that the fight that had started in the club is now happening outside it's getting even more violent she tries to run inside to get help but she can't so she ends up going back outside she sees all of those five guys kind of i don't think they're in front of the club anymore they're like on an alley Mm -hmm in an Mm -hmm. alley nearby but now those five guys are like basically eating the dead kennedy's guy which is horrifying Mm -hmm. she ends up whipping out her cell phone which is a flip phone which i also appreciate (laughs) it (laughs) yeah that was the other thing i'm like a flip phone okay she's they're constantly flipping their phones in Mm -hmm. and out to use them it was hilarious so She takes some photos using her flip phone. Then she jumps in a taxi and flees. She thinks that she's witnessed a murder and she ends up telling the taxi driver to take her to the police station. Yes. And these guys that are ripping the throat out of the dead Kennedy guy see her taking pictures, but the flash is blinding on her phone for them. It hurts their eyes because apparently... They take their sunglasses off to kill and eat people. Oh, I didn't even think of that because they were wearing shades in the I club. I just thought of it. I'm like, oh, they must they must oh, take their sunglasses off to kill people. Maybe. So if you see anybody <laughs> wearing sunglasses and they go to take them off, run. Now we switch to a different point of view. And this person's name is Lucan Thorne. He's thinking about the vampires, the host, and the breed. Vampires apparently refers to themselves as the breed. The hosts are the humans and they have uh, a symbiotic relationship with the vampires and they have for two millennia where they will drink from the humans, but they usually glamor them so that they don't remember. And I guess everybody goes along their happy little thing (laughs) and everybody's fine with that. So the breed vampires are hunting a group called rogues and rogues are people that have developed a disease which is an addiction to blood and it's called the bloodlust the real vampires are hunting down the rogues and killing them 
because they're really afraid that the rogues are being so careless and doing this out in public that pretty soon the world is going to find out that there are in fact vampires in the world and then they will all be hunted. So rogues are vampires that are diseased with the bloodlust disease. Did I not just say that? <laughs> I think you said they were people. So I just, I don't know if I misheard or not. So I just wanted to like clarify okay. that- it's van- It's like vampires hunting other vampires. Okay. Different types of vampires, bad I guess. Vampires. Bad and badder. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So uh, Lucan is the stranger that was in the club that Gabrielle was staring at. He had followed the fight out of the club into the alleyway because those vampires, those five guys were rogue vampires. He ends up killing all of those vampires, all of them except for one. One of them does manage to escape. He also thinks about how when he was in the club, with Gabrielle, he thinks about how as soon as he scented mm-hmm. her, he hungered and he thinks about how she already belonged to him. Yep. The trace notes of perfume on her skin were something exotic and rare. In the back of his mind, an ancient consciousness whispered that whoever she was, she already belonged to him. Mm-hmm. Whew, I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of references to scenting oh, yeah, in this a book. Lot. So then we're at, there's a lot of switching in this book between POVs within the same chapter. Mm-hmm. So we go from uh, Lucan to Gabrielle and Gabrielle is at the police station and she's trying to convince the officers of the crime that she witnessed, but her photo quality is pretty much garbage and the pictures didn't turn out and they can't really see anything to uh, go along with her story, which I find a little ironic ironic considering she's a professional photographer but at the same time she's using a freaking flip phone so what do we expect but i think it comes out later that she's able to see them they look totally fine and normal to her but when these other people look at them for some reason they cannot clearly see the people in them the rogues yes okay So the cops end up giving her the brush off and her friend Jamie ends up coming to the station to pick her up. And then we go to another perspective and this is of a file clerk that's working in the police station and he's thinking about how he lived to serve someone called Master and that clerk had overheard Gabrielle and everything she was talking about in the station so he leaves his desk and he goes to hide in like a janitor's Mm -hmm. closet so he can make a phone call to his master without being noticed he ends up telling his master everything that Gabrielle told them and he also ran all her background info and gave his master all of her information including her address yes this guy is incredibly efficient that he's able to whip all that info up for the guy for his master and i gotta tell you when i read this part about you know him being a minion and calling the guy master all i could think of is that show what we do in the shadows which i freaking love that show and if you not seen it it's on hulu it's freaking hilarious it was a movie they made it into a tv show it's so irreverent it's hilarious but go ahead it is really funny and it is also about it vampires is. so you can just vampire book vampire shows yes just vampires non-stop right. unless they're real <laughs> then i'd be scared shitless and hiding in a closet with a crucifix and a rosary and holy water not if they were luke and thorn you wouldn't but okay <laughs> 
or one of the Black Dagger Brotherhood people. Yeah, you're right. I'd have signs pointing, mm -hmm. arrows pointing to my house. <laughs> I didn't think you were going to say house just <laughs> now. <laughs> oh, my God. They're really, Not going to lie. I know that you won't believe this, but I still do have a couple of lines. Granted, they're not heavy lines, but I still have lines when it comes to saying things to you. Okay, okay good. <laughs> And it really depends on my mood for the day. There are times where whatever, I just am going to do it. Then it's two days later and Gabrielle still can't convince anybody what she saw, not even her friends. We get a little background on her that she was adopted at the age 12, at age 12 after, of course, going through the foster system. She was adopted by the Maxwells and they both died in a car accident while she was in college. And she said she didn't even go to their funeral, which I thought was terrible, but her first pictures were of their headstones. That's what started her on photography. I'm like, okay. She does a lot of the dark and gloomy sort of photography of like old buildings and cemeteries and abandoned warehouses and very like creepy places creepy lonely places kind of like her mm -hmm. yeah so then he she hears a doorbell ring and she thinks it's her friend jamie here's your, another one of the things you love she has a gay friend named jamie <laughs> her, yep my favorite best friend <laughs> yeah i know i thought of you when i read that and she thinks it's him because he spent a couple of nights with her just to make sure she was okay. She, they make a point of saying she opens the door but leaves the chain on. She, she looks at the peephole. It's not Jamie. So she leaves the chain on and cracks the door. And people don't ever do this. Even I could kick a door in that's got a chain on it. You can talk through the door. Just say, what the hell do you want? go away she describes the guy she sees to the people as ominous yet compelling and eventually she opens the door she asks to see his badge he says he's a detective following up with her from the police station and he wants some more information about what she witnessed and so she says let me see your badge and he shows it to her and then she opens the door and lets him in he says something really odd to her about about jamie leaving her apartment he asked her, is that your lover? And I thought, if some cop said that to me, I'd be like, get out. Totally inappropriate. Um, she says, no, he, that he spent the night because he was concerned. And in her mind, she hears his voice say good, even though he's not speaking out loud. She's got like an instant like trust and attraction to mm -hmm. him. He, like, never throws up any red flags for her. Well, she's crazy. So I did like that she asked to see his ID mm -hmm. first. But then, yeah, things like this where she's, like, doesn't say, like, that's inappropriate is kind of odd. Yeah, it's like, I'll meet you at the police station and we can talk there. But, mm -hmm. you know, she's so drawn to him. She describes his gaze as penetrating heat, physical and intimate. And suddenly she has a picture in her mind of them in bed together. She does that mm -hmm. a lot where she's like picturing them doing things. Yeah. And as he's walking by her, she notices that he has a tattoo on the back of his neck that looked like some geometric looking symbols. So he, she recounts what she saw to him. Say, and she thinks in her mind that it's laughable, but all she can think of while she's describing the supposed murder scene is that these creatures were vampires. She doesn't say it out loud, but she does think it. 
And then he ends up taking her phone and asking her uh, if he can look at the pictures that she took. Well, he wants to take her phone and like take it to the lab to get um, analyzed to fix the photo quality or something. So Lucan takes Gabrielle's phone and he ends up leaving, but he does return to her place um, after midnight that night. He unlocks all the doors himself. No, he doesn't unlock the doors. He had like planted something in her mind to have her leave the door unlocked. So he lets himself in actually. He ends up waking her up so that he can go down on her. I found this like incredibly disturbing. When it starts, she was asleep. And I was like, oh my God, is he going to like do something to her while she's asleep? But she did end up waking up. She didn't. But not like. she didn't. She woke up, but not like, like she almost thinks that she's having like a sexy dream. Right. That's what it, because I have a quote from the book that says she climaxed more than once, never waking up. Okay. And I thought this is, this is horrible. Never, ever is it okay for you to do this. Okay. See, and I, I guess I misread that part because i thought she woke up enough to be sort of there but it was very like stalker Mm -hmm. um yeah because he knows he's he can never be with her but he can have a taste and i thought you're a pig oh yeah because after he's done doing that he wants to bite Mm -hmm. her and like drink from her because this is just what they do vampires Mm -hmm. i guess (laughs) but he notices that she has a birthmark behind her ear And the birthmark is actually a symbol that um, marks her as a breed mate. And a breed mate is a human female that is gifted with unique blood and DNA. Correct. They're considered queens among other human females. And the birthmark is teardrop falling into the cradle of a crescent moon. And the symbol was so rare among human females that it meant only one thing breed mate that was the other thing i didn't like the word breed mate okay so it's weird that the vampires call themselves the breed and then the only reason i could accept them calling the women breed mates is because the breed is what they refer to themselves so it's like you're a mate of one of the breed but yeah i didn't really like that either yeah it was too much like um, breed mare. Breed mare, yeah. yes, exactly. Yeah. <sighs> okay, but maybe the author was thinking they do call themselves the breed, so maybe so. And we find out that there are no female vampires within the breed; they're all men. Yes, so they have to have the human women to have children with, and then their children are all males and all vampires. Yes. So Gabrielle wakes up the next morning thinking that she had the best erotic (laughs) dream of her life. She spends all day thinking about Lucan, even when she goes out to dinner with her friend Jamie. I'm sure you can hear it because you heard it last time, but I'm currently doing laundry again. (laughs) (laughs) My God. The toilet's either flushing or it's the laundry. It's probably the laundry. Well, no, because it's a Saturday morning. So I started a load of laundry, not of course, not thinking That's like fine. that we're going to be doing this, but okay. So um, during her dinner with Jamie, um, Jamie tells her that a big wig downtown is interested in a private showing of her work. So that's kind of exciting news for yes. her. And that they had a killing at the gallery showing. She made a lot of money, but 
this guy has some deep pockets. I think it was like her first private showing or she's on the up and coming mm-hmm. for her photography yes. business. So while they're doing that, Lucan is on patrol with Dante. Dante is another breed warrior. While Lucan and Dante are on patrol, a breed warrior named Gideon is in their tech lab running Gabrielle's photos that she took on her cell phone through something called the Breeds International Identification Database. And let me tell you, to try to CSI Miami has got nothing on this. I'm like, okay. Yeah, so they're trying to ID the rogue that got away. Okay, so each breed mate has a special power. And so Lucan is thinking that Gabrielle's breed mate power is a special vision to see what other humans cannot because she's able to see, you know, these vampires and take these photos. While Lucan is on patrol with Dante, they end up fighting a rogue vampire and Dante has these special blades he calls Malabronke. I'm sure I'm saying that wrong, but evil claws. There's a lot of references to Dante mm-hmm. and his special blades in this book. Yes. <laughs> And the rogues have vertical slits for pupils that are permanently narrowed to hungered. Sounded very gross. Kind of like snake eyes is what I was picturing. I thought they all had eyes like that, but I guess not. I think their eyes only turn like that when they're super hungry because some of the breed warriors have like eye colors that and like eyes that are pointed out, but... When they get like this, they have like yellow, I guess I should say like cat mm-hmm. eyes, snake <laughs> eyes with the weird cat peoples. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, terrifying. Yeah. So we get a little bit of background um, information on the breed warriors. Or do we? It turns out that Lucan's sire, his father, was one of the ancients, and the ancients were one of eight alien warriors. Yes, you heard me right. Aliens who crash landed thousands of years ago on Earth. Those aliens could only survive by feeding on humans. Those warriors eventually bred with human females who were the first breed mates. And those offspring were a new generation of the vampire race. And Lucan is one of those original first generations. He's called the Gen 1 breed and an elder who all the other vampires respect and revere. And yes, so can I just tell you my note about the talking about his sire? Yes, go ahead. So I, I put his sire, like you said, is was an ancient one, one of eight warriors, blah blah blah, crash landed on earth thousands of years ago. And then my note is all capital letters, what? Explanation point, explanation point, explanation point. What? (laughs) Okay. And they were so blood hungry that they almost wiped out the entire population of people. Yes. So they're so uh, prone to bloodlust, those eight eight alien warriors, that later on, I think he even talks about how, like, you've heard of the city of Atlantis and how it disappeared. Well, that was from them. Yeah, so we have (laughs) Greek mythology, we have aliens, we have vampires, we have a plague that is wiping out, you know, the bloodlust that's wiping out 
part of their the vampire society my mental note when i read this part was that no matter how hard we try we still can't get away from alien romances because <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious yeah we try i specifically was looking for a vampire book because we've done so many alien books lately huh. and then this was in there and i was like what the fuck is happening right now that he's a vampire but he's also actually half alien <laughs> uh, uh, yeah it it was very unexpected and this is definitely not something i have ever seen before for vampire lore. so then we switch to gabrielle and she's um mad because luke and never called her said that he would bring her cell phone back the next day but he obviously didn't because now she's mad and she can't go to sleep so she ends up leaving her house very early in the morning to go take some photos like as the sun is rising and she's thinking like the light is good or something so she goes to an old asylum or an old psych hospital and while she's in there she thinks about her mother so then here we get some background about her mm -hmm. mom and it turns out that her mom went insane from her attack that happened 27 years ago at that bus station. She ended up getting institutionalized because she couldn't stop talking about vampires. Mm -hmm. And she ended up killing herself a month after she got institutionalized. Even though her mother, when they found her, was brutalized and had deep puncture wounds on her neck. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, nobody believed her. Did they say something like they thought it was self-inflicted? I don't know. But it said her, her mom ended up slipping into a catatonic state in the psych ward and she ended up hanging herself. But while Gabrielle is there taking those photos, she ends up getting chased by a guy who was also in there and she runs she's able to hightail it out of there and escape before that guy catches her yeah that was creepy oh and she also mm -hmm. notices that there's cameras watching her in the institution there when she moves the cameras move so someone is observing her and then she heard the elevator and the guy gets off and she's running for her life of course going through the creepy cellar and out the window and under the fence that I was just waiting for it to get hooked on the loop of her pants. Yes, it did scratch her though on oh, the yeah. cheek and she started mm -hmm. bleeding. Back at the compound, Lucan is checking in with Gideon to see if the phone is done processing. Well, wait, can we can I we mention that they say this warrior compound is 300 feet beneath the, a mansion outside the city. 300 feet. Okay. Yeah, there's like a house up above the mansion up above is like a front mm -hmm. for their like compound that they have underground yes. because they can't have sunlight because they're vampires right. alien vampires <laughs> have to live underground yeah so okay? there's no sun in space <laughs> isn't there though <laughs> no <laughs> oh, okay okay <laughs> uh there are also six warriors in the compound in addition to Lucan. Then we also find out that the vampires are covered in something called dermaglyphs, mm -hmm. which are naturally occurring marks inherited from the breed's forebears, that, aka aliens. Dermaglyphs sounds like hieroglyphs, and there is a question as to whether there were aliens in back in the day in mm -hmm. Egypt, but go ahead. Yes, that is mm -hmm. a good point. So the thing that she saw on his neck actually wasn't a tribal tattoo. It was actually part of his dermaglyph. Yes. 
uh, markings. So they look like tattoos to humans, but they're actually reminiscent of the alien camouflage from their ancestors. Lucan has a ton of these because he's a Gen 1 breed. And apparently the glyphs can change hues according to the vampire's emotional state. It's like a mood ring on steroids. <laughs> uh, that's funny. Okay, mood ring is actually pretty accurate, but all I could think of was chameleon. Yes, I thought of chameleon too. <laughs> yeah. I just kept picturing Pascal from uh, the Tangled Disney movie, which, <laughs> yeah. you know. <laughs> They're described as naturally occurring marks inherited from the breed's forebearers. Okay, but then, so this also reminded me of this book series, and let me look it up real fast because this is actually a pretty good series. But so there is a series by, come on, phone. My God. Yeah. Okay, so <laughs> the series is faded mates of the varul and the author is krista luna so all of those it's aliens all of those men have you've seen the picture of the cover you say it looks like tiger striping uh, you oh, yeah. mentioned that like a yeah. long time ago so they all have like markings on them it's their warrior markings so as soon as i read this obviously this book came out way before mm -hmm. this krista luna series okay. came out but as soon as i read it i was like oh yes okay this sounds just like the markings I've read in a different series. But anyways, I digress. At this point, we get a bunch of info on all of the hot breed warriors. Yes. Do you want to describe no, them or ahead. should I? Okay, so we have Nikolai, Conlin, Rio, Dante, Tegan, and Gideon. Nikolai has sandy blonde hair, blue eyes, and a Siberian heritage. He's also the youngest in the group, having joined them during the Cold War, and he is the group's resident gearhead. Conlin is a tactician, and he has copper hair and a Scottish mother. Conlin has a breed mate named Danica, and she refers to him as my lord, yeah. which I thought mm -hmm. was adorable. Well, I would too if I had a Scottish man. I could email me <laughs> yeah. in Scotland. I'm like, oh my God. Yes, my lord. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. What, my lord? I must take all my clothes off for you. Yes, my lord. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Then there, Rio, we don't get a ton of info on Rio, but he does have a breed mate named He's Eva. He's from Spain, isn't he? Yes, okay. I think so. Dante has an Italian mm. accent, and he's the one with the wicked yes. blades. And Tegan is like a quiet sleeper assassin sort of guy. He's very mysterious. And Gideon is the IT whiz kid. Yeah, and Gideon had a twin brother and his twin brother was murdered by the rogues and that's how Gideon joined the warriors. But because he is mated, he, I guess him and his breed mate had a discussion and they decided that instead of him going out in the field and fighting, he's going to do the tech part of it. Oh yeah, uh, Gideon's breed mate's name is savannah mm -hmm. gideon's search of the phone photos through that database finally comes back and it turns out that the rogue that got away during that attack at the dance club is from seattle and he has several warrants out for himself mm. and it seems like the rogues are upping their game because they don't usually have issues with rogues from like out of state uh -huh. it sounds like and uh, lucan finally confesses that the photos he has that they're processing came from a breed mate and the guys try to convince lucan that he needs to bring her in for her protection either they're at the compound with them or they have these things called dark havens which are like communities for 
vampires and their breed mates who maybe aren't these warriors, but they want to like live, you know, in solitude. It's like safe haven places. Yeah, we also get a little bit of background on the other warrior named Tegan, and nobody's heard from him in days, and Lucan is fed up with him. Uh, He likes to go out hunting alone, and Lucan uh, is starting to have a hard time trusting him because he's getting a little sneaky. Yeah, he thinks that his secretive nature was beginning to wear on the others. Mm -hmm. So he's always been kind of a loner, but it's getting even worse lately. Okay. So then Lucan goes to Gabrielle's house to return her phone. Um, She was having a little celebration by herself at her apartment or house, what have you, because that private showing from earlier that she had heard about from Jamie went really well and that guy ended up buying a bunch of her stuff. Did he buy all her things? Yes, he bought oh, every okay. photo she he showed or something. That's what these rich types do apparently. They just buy all the well, stuff. Well, no wonder I wouldn't know. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, God. They end up kissing, and then they end up going all the way. So that's a uh, the real celebration yes. happens, I mm-hmm. should say. I think they say they do this for, like, hours. When Lucan finally leaves, he's still frustrated because now he's starving for blood. His, like, thirst for blood just keeps getting more and more amplified. Yeah. And he um, thinks of his two... He had two older brothers, both of which died from bloodlust. That's the disease that turns vampires rogue one of his brothers killed themselves and the other was killed by a breed warrior can i go back to when uh, there's just a comment i wanted to make about when they're in bed sure, there's go a, ahead. a sentence that says lucan held her firmly in his hands pressing her damp core to him giving no quarter and I fucking hate that expression. It's from the, I'm like, my note is, what is that expression from the 1700s? And it's a lot in these romance books. He gave her no quarters. Okay. Okay, so all I can think for that phrase is pirates. I don't get it. It's like, how about just saying he didn't let her move? I don't, okay, I don't know why that term bothers me so much i had a lot of eye rolling in this book oh interesting okay he does there are references to her sheath that makes me want to barf so when i hear like that in a book Mm -hmm. i'm like oh my god so that threw me but i did not notice the giving her no quarter yeah and it it, when it says he breached her body with a deep mind-numbing thrust oh my god she sobbed you feel so good i need to fuck you gabrielle i needed to fuck you from the first moment i saw you the frank words his admission only inflamed her more i'm done now okay (laughs) i was just gonna let you go i would keep going because i wrote yeah i'm like oh god all right interesting all right so he ends up drinking from a random girl on the street because he is starving and he didn't want to drink from Gabrielle herself because that would have started the bonding process. Mm-hmm. Gabrielle ends up waking up. She's alone again. Well, you forgot to mention the girl he drinks from. Uh-huh. Has hair. What about her? Has hair the same color, right? Oh, that's right. Because Gabrielle's, she's a redhead, yeah, right? Yeah, he, he comes upon two yes. prostitutes. One's a blonde and one's uh, got this coppery color hair that looks like hers. And so he doesn't want to bond to her, but he'll drink from somebody that has hair the same color of hers. And then he sends her on her yeah. way. Mm-hmm. I think he mind wipes yeah. her and then shushes her mm-hmm. along. <laughs> 
She ends up meeting Jamie and Megan for lunch. Their friend Kendra is off with that guy Brent from the club. Mm -hmm. And they just have like typical brunch time talks. Of course, those include, you know, her gabbing about how her night went with Luke and I think, right? Yes. Detective dark and sexy, he calls him. Yes. (laughs) That's what Mm -hmm. he sounds like. Yes. (laughs) So Lucan is at the compound and he has a run-in with Tegan for being so secretive. Uh, Tegan was MIA for five days and Lucan is uh, super pissed off at him. They just have a lot of bad blood between them. A lot of bad blood. While he's confronting him, it comes out that Gideon was actually having him do some recon. So Lucan's outburst was unwarranted and Tegan was missing for five days because he was on an assignment. Right. Back at the lunch, Jamie is telling the ladies about the private showing that he had of Gabrielle's artwork and how bizarre it was. Um, He had to like go in this abandoned building, show the images through the glass and the buyer was in another building using binoculars to view the art pieces and it was all very bizarre does no one have alarm bells going off in their head (laughs) i'd be like oh you know what i forgot something in my car i'll be right back i'd leave those every one of those pictures and i would get in my car and drive away and never come back so they end up parting ways after lunch gabrielle goes to walk around a little bit and take some photos while she's at a park she ends up noticing a guy watching her and she recognizes him from the police station she tries to run after him to question him, but he escapes before she can catch up to him. She barely gets over that chasing the guy incident when there's a car that is speeding down the road and she feels like the car is chasing her and she's having like a full-blown panic at this point. Too many things are making her paranoid. Um, Turns out that the car was for the mayor of Boston, completely unrelated to the guy in the park, but she's really starting to feel paranoid and crazy and she you know always worried about these sorts of things because of the history of what happened with her mother so the guy from the park was that minion from the police station he is kind of freaking out because gabrielle saw him and he ends up kind of slinking off he ended up falling in the street and cutting up her hands and her knees oh yeah when she was running from the car she fell down and Mm -hmm. hurt herself she goes home to like clean herself up from those injuries while she's doing that she starts thinking about vampires and her birth mother and she's worried that she's gonna go crazy like her mom did then while she's at the kitchen sink doing that she starts thinking about the things she used to do when she was Uh, younger the self-harm things she this was like so out of the blue um yeah this was completely unexpected random i'm like what is happening here i guess because she always you know felt like an outsider and a loner and things were too much for her i guess it turns out that she was a cutter when she was younger. So she's like contemplating at the kitchen sink, like cutting herself again because she's like so overwhelmed. She doesn't end up doing it, but we do get a lot of background on things that she did as a kid. Yeah, that she was never afraid when she did it, that it helped her relax and calm her down. I just was thinking at this point that there's so many things that happen in this book. And then also... This also points out how this book was written a while ago because there, I don't think there were any content warnings for this book. Yeah, I didn't remember seeing any, but that I never know with me. 
I usually notice them, but I didn't see one for this book. So I'm like, this would not fly for a new release book mm -hmm. to not have warnings for this sort of content, but and whatever. Understandably so. And she thinks about, mm -hmm. you know, before when she was younger living with the Maxwells about she had to have a state appointed psychologist and a social worker. She had to be in therapy for years to kind of get this under control. Yeah. So now that she's 27, 28 ish, she has those behaviors under control, but she's starting to spiral. So mm -hmm. she's worried that she's going to start picking up those bad habits mm -hmm. again. So we go from that with her to a brand new POV we haven't gotten yet. And it's a the leader of the rogues. And he is trying to organize the rogues to start a war instead of the little small conflicts that they tend to happen. So he's trying to organize all of these bloodlust crazed vampires. Yeah, because before the ro there was a war before, right? And Luke Yes. Long okay. time ago. And it was the same conflict, but they the rogues lost. And now he wants to organize them and do this again. So it's nighttime again because Lucan is at Gabrielle's house, but she doesn't answer the door. Um, he can scent her blood through the door, though, and he starts to freak yes. out. He busts into her place and ends up finding her hiding in her a photography darkroom. Mm -hmm. She's hiding in there because she's trying to recover from her earlier panic about the street incident and her injuries. Um, while he's in there checking on her and consoling her, he notices her photos that are hanging up on those drying lines that they have in yes. dark rooms. A lot of her photos are actually of vampire locations. And she actually even has photos of the warriors compound yeah, freaking yeah so he's like oh yeah. my god like no matter what i would have run into this woman right. because she's been all to all of these places and also it's dangerous for her to be at all of these places he carries her upstairs and he tends to her injuries he ends up giving her a bath she tells him about her day um including the kid that followed her in the park that she recognized from the police station he immediately thinks that that kid was actually a minion and not a normal human a minion is a human enslaved by a draining bite that strips their free will and leaves them an obedient zombie. I'm sorry, but minions are adorable little yellow things that wear <laughs> blue overalls, and they're hilarious, and everybody should have one. I do like those minions, yes. but this is not that oh, type well. of minion. He tells her that she needs to be careful, and he ends up giving her his cell phone number and saying, like, call me anytime you need me. Uh, while he is oh. tending to her injuries, uh, he sees her scars from when she was cutting herself. Mm -hmm. She has to to confess to what she used to do before she confesses he did the typical like who yes. hurt you who did this to you i will yeah. kill them yes so if you're into the who hurt you trope this yeah. will push all your mm -hmm. buttons because he did such a good job nursing her back to health <laughs> okay this part i actually didn't really understand because she ends up like giving him a bj but was he in the bathroom oh my god i have so or... many questions about this Yes, he is in I, the bathtub and they're saying his erection is so large that it's sticking up out of the water. But she starts giving him a blowjob. You cannot, well, he gave her a bubble bath. You cannot give somebody a blowjob in a bubble bath because at one point they are describing what she's doing and it says that she took him 
really deep in her mouth. And I'm like, so what? She's drowning while she's blowing this guy? Okay, that's exactly my point. Because I'm like, if he's in the bathtub with her, is he not fully submerged? And then she's like putting her head under, like bobbing for apples? Like what is happening? I think (laughs) a lot of people that write these kinds of sex scenes should actually experience these kind of sex scenes before they write about them. Because when you write them and then there's people like me that have experienced this before this is not even possible yeah i did have some questions about this scene also yeah that's what my note says how do you blow somebody in a bubble bath and not drown inquiring minds want to yeah and then she says i i need to get you inside of me I have condoms in the other room, but then she's worried that she insulted him. She And it says, I hope you, she says to him, I hope you don't think I'm prudish for asking. And my note is in red, capital letters, exclamation points, prudish. Why is asking the guy to put a condom on prudish? It is a necessary thing that every woman and man should do to protect themselves from all sorts of sexually transmitted diseases. It has nothing to do with being prudish Mm -hmm. he says that he thinks that she's an intelligent woman who respects her body and herself and he respects her for having the courage to be careful well yeah that's great but wanting to use we don't need a guy stamp of approval to think we're intelligent and worried about our bodies I, as a woman, I did not like that prudish statement. But of course, the guy mm-hmm. thinks it's great that she's even thinking about that. It's like, Jesus Christ. Okay. Well, and he does tell her that he can't get her pregnant and that nothing that he's healthy and that nothing they do together will hurt her. And she just like takes him at his word, which also PSA. You yeah, shouldn't do. I did that. And it was a huge <laughs> mistake. Yeah. Trust, but yeah. Verify, I guess. <laughs> After so. I put that fucking <laughs> condom on until you both go to the doctor and you see that person going to the doctor to be tested because people lie. So, and it's also during this conversation that we find out that only uh, breed mates that are bonded Mm -hmm. can produce offspring. So that's why he's saying she doesn't know that, but now we know that that's why he's saying he can't get her pregnant. They do end up doing things. He ends up getting woken up while he's at her Mm -hmm. place by a phone call. And the phone call is from Gideon Mm -hmm telling him that one of the breed warriors has died. It is really sad. So he goes back to the compound. The breed warrior that was injured and died is Conlin. Scott guy. I know, my lord. He was the first one to kick the bucket. His mate, Danica, is wailing. Conlin and Nikolai were out on patrol. They were fighting a rogue this rogue tricked them into like coming close to him or like following him somewhere. And he had a um, bomb strapped to himself. So he ends up blowing himself up while Conlin was able to like see the bomb before he like detonated it. So he told Nikolai to run and he ended up like jumping on the bomber. So Conlin died, but Nikolai didn't. It's very sad. And Conlin died a hero. Um, They go through a whole ritual of um, like funeral rites. And Lucan says that he will be the one to carry Conlin up to the sunlight. And he will stay there for eight minutes of exposure and bear like the sunlight as a tribute to Conlin. Yes. And Jen Wands, which is what Lucan is, are usually never asked to be the person to 
carry the dead up because they burn easier. Further, a, a breed, a generation of breed is away from the ancients, the better they can withstand the burning rays of the sun. Mm-hmm. So it was really meaningful mm-hmm. that Lucan volunteered to take Conlin up. But Lucan feels bad oh, that Conlin died because Lucan was supposed to be the one on patrol, but he wanted to see Gabrielle. I would never get over that. So he I had would... Conlin cover for I him. I would never get over that guilt. Yeah, he definitely feels And on guilty. top of it, Gideon tells Lucan that she is pregnant. She's three months pregnant and that Conlin was trying to work up the courage to tell Lucan that he was leaving the order once the baby arrived. Yeah, they were going to move to one of the Dark Haven facilities. Yeah, to raise their family. It just goes from bad to worse to worse. So he does take him up there. He gets severely burned. Then we switch to the rogue leader's point of view. And he is disappointed that his intended target for the bombing was not injured and his intended target was Lucan. Mm-hmm. Lucan is trying to recover from his injuries after the funeral. He decides that he needs to have Gideon visit Gabrielle and tell her what what a breed mate is, basically tell her that she is a mm-hmm. breed mate and to transport her to the Dark Haven location. He doesn't really want to interact with her anymore because he doesn't want a breed mate himself. And then he also feels really, really guilty because of the whole Conlin situation. Mm -hmm. Gabrielle calls, this is like during the day. So Gabrielle calls Lucan because she wants to invite him over for dinner that night. But he ends up like brushing her off and saying that he can't come over. He can't spend time with her. He says that his friend Gideon will come over and that Gideon will take care of her. She's kind of like, well, that was a weird phone call. Why is he brushing me off? But she was with her friend Megan. They were doing like a yoga class or something they were doing something Mm -hmm. together so she's like well that didn't go well like what should i do he's acting very oddly (laughs) megan's like well he's probably at work right now go bring him coffee and a donut and i thought that was hilarious oh my god (laughs) i I know it's very stereotypical to be like cops like coffee and donuts but i did get a little Mm -hmm. chuckle from that so while she's thinking about doing lucan and dante go out to hunt and feed so i guess it's night it's closer to it must be dark out right Mm -hmm. It's nighttime? Okay. Yeah, I was having some trouble keeping track of like what was nighttime and what was daytime. Well, just know during this book sometimes. Lucan's outside, it's night. It's nighttime. Yes. Him and Dante go out to hunt and feed. Lucan is practically feral at this point because he's so hungry because his injuries were so bad that he's like a feral monster at this point. So um, him and Dante like go their separate ways to do their own thing. In the meantime, Gabrielle is at the police (laughs) station with coffee and a pastry. Yes. (laughs) She's, you know, at like the reception desk and the receptionist is like, we have absolutely no record of this officer, this detective that you're talking about. I don't know what you're talking about. Like they, we don't have this guy here. Poor woman. Of course. I know. Crazy. And everything's pointing to the fact that you're crazy. Yes. This is just goes to more of the like paranoia that she's experiencing. Cause she's like, oh no, I saw his badge, which she did because he like mind screwed her into thinking that piece of paper could have been a CVS receipt. All <laughs> yeah. we know was <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> While she's there talking to the receptionist, the police officer that was dealing with her on the night of the dance club attack 
comes over and tries to kind of like get her out of there, basically thinking like, you're crazy. There's nobody here. I've been here for like 30 years. Tonight's actually my last night and I've never heard of this. As soon as this guy said, tonight's my last Mm -hmm. night, I was like, this motherfucker's about (laughs) to die. That's exactly what I thought. What you do is you you Uh, never put in your retirement. You just stop showing up for work. And then call them from home and say, I'm retiring. If you're law enforcement like this guy, that seems like Mm -hmm. a safe bet. So he ends up trying to call, he like call somebody (laughs) and is like, have them like call and like, you know, come take this lady away. And so she freaks out because she's like, oh my God, he's going to try to send me to like the site. Yeah, I love how quickly they can do this, but you can't, you could have evidence upon evidence that someone's crazy and still not be able to have them but this guy just picks up the phone it's like let's restrain her let's medicate her we need to take her to the loony bin having been in therapy for decades i'm totally free to say loony bin sorry and she she (laughs) she ends up running away yeah she runs off because she doesn't want to get taken Mm -hmm. away while that's happening with her lucan is off a draining a drug dealer because He's a vampire, but he only drinks from the bad guys and prostitutes. Yeah, poor prostitutes. So he, God, they. What a. Let's feel bad for all of them. I know what a horrible existence. Yeah, I mean they don't get a break anywhere. (laughs) So he is uh, doing that with the drug dealer. Gabrielle is calling him. He finally answers the phone after he's been avoiding her. She instantly goes off on him and is pissed that he was lying to her. Mm -hmm. He thinks that she's mad because of the Gideon was supposed to talk to her. He finally realizes that she went to the police station and found out that he was lying about being a detective he asks her where she is and she's basically on the steps yes. of the police station yeah still. i guess they stopped chasing her at the doorway <laughs> yes it's like it's like walmart security they don't actually chase you into the parking lot <laughs> oh god well we've exceeded yeah. our power threshold we can't cross that line hey if it was me on my last day of work i wouldn't have even called the lady in that's right so i don't fault him for not chasing yeah. her out lucan ends up coming to where gabrielle is he's there in like two seconds because he's got that vampire mm-hmm. speed he's trying to get her to come with him and he ends up trying to mind control her but she's able to break out of his control which was surprising to I him. Guess that's part of yeah. her ability yeah and she ends up running off back at the police station that creepy clerk is there of course because this guy's always working he ends up having a run-in with that officer that it's his last day that was trying to detain gabrielle stairwell yeah so he ends up having like a fight verbal confrontation with that guy the guy follows him in the stairwell and that creepy (laughs) clerk ends up like stabbing him in the neck and killing him his gun yes steals the service weapon takes off and he runs after to try to catch gabrielle gabrielle doesn't get very far away from lucan before a car jumps the curb and almost runs her over apparently the creepy clerk stole a police car also Mm -hmm. and he jumps out of the car and he chases her down to like um a park or playground or something well who thinks if they 
the master will be even more thrilled with him and he'll win favor if he kidnaps her and brings Gabrielle to the master. Mm -hmm. So even though Lucan is nearby, Gabrielle and this creepy clerk are able to get a little bit away from him. Yeah, where's his vampire speed? That's one of the things I was thinking while I was reading the scene. (laughs) I was like, he could run like how many blocks to get to the police (laughs) station, but he can't catch up to them between the police station and this playground, but Mm -hmm. whatever. The creepy clerk tries to shoot at Gabrielle, but he ends up missing. Lucan finally gets there. He yells at Gabrielle to run off. She doesn't want to. She doesn't want to leave him alone, but she finally like listens to him and she does start to run away, but she hears another gunshot. So she ends up turning back around and running back to where they were. I'm telling you, this must have been the best sex this woman has ever had in her entire life. (laughs) Because no matter what goes down or transpires, she's running back to save him. I don't know what she thought that she would be able to do. Witness his demise? I don't know. Yeah. When she gets back to where Lucan and the creepy clerk were she sees lucan sucking his blood so then she has another flash in her mind of like vampire. then she finally decides to run away yes because after this she must have run back to her house because she's there and lucan is also there but he's like on the street and he's like ran to her friend megan's because she knew if she went home he'd follow her oh she's She's at at megan's Megan's. house okay and megan's boyfriend is there who just happens to be a cop okay so I don't understand why the author made Megan's boyfriend a cop because couldn't Gabrielle have just talked to Megan's boyfriend? His name is Ray. Couldn't she have just talked to Ray and been like, hey, like I'm kind of dating this detective. His name is right. such and such. Maybe because it's Boston and there's supposed to be so many cops. We're supposed to think that they don't know each other it's or he wouldn't be able to Blue research Wall it. For a reason. I mean, they are. Yeah, they can find out about each other. I mean, she could have even said to him, can you get me the lowdown on this guy? Yeah, because she knew, quote unquote, the precinct that he was supposed to work right. at. His name is Luke and Thorne, and he works at such and such precinct in yes. Boston. But she never did that. So I don't understand. This guy could have been anybody. I don't know why she decided to make him a cop. I don't know. Okay. Yeah, don't, I don't, don't ask me. <laughs> so she's doing that. Lucan is at the compound and he's like um, throwing knives or something, isn't he? In the well, sparring he, he area. He had been shot too by that minion. Was there anything like about him healing for that? I don't remember. Well, that it's just taking longer than normal just because he just was healing from being burned in the sun. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, because he can self-heal. While he's in that area, he thinks he's alone, but Tegan ends up coming out of the shadows like an absolute creeper. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. The author goes out of her way to make you direct suspicion to Tegan. Yeah, Tegan is confronts him about um his hunger and that his hunger is getting out of control and Tegan says that he's watching him basically. They end on not great terms, but that's not a big surprise because Tegan and Lucan are not friends. Yeah, and Gabrielle ends up spending the night at Megan's sleeping on the sofa. And she she ends up telling Megan and Ray that she was accosted by a psycho. That's how she got hurt. She's still mm-hmm. protecting Lucan. Oh, that's right. Because she tells them what happened. But I don't think she mentions Lucan at all, right? Right. She doesn't. Yeah. So that's how chapter 17 yep. ends. So that's how all we're right. going to end. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, that didn't take us as long as I thought it would, which is good because when I was reading this, I felt like the chapters were oh really long. I mean, this book itself is over 400 pages but long. I'm with you. I felt like this thing was really long. The chapters are really long. And then there's a lot of switching between POVs within chapters. Mm -hmm, yeah. I just kind of felt like we're definitely not saying everything that mm -hmm. happened in the book and like all the yeah. details, but we're still trying to tell you enough. So you kind of understand the story. Right. So yeah, we did it. Just in time for lunch. Yay us. I know. Come on. I'm so proud yeah, of us. It's so funny that we're always <laughs> amazed when we do it and it, we've succeeded. It's so funny. How long have we been doing this? What episode is this? 27 or 20. Yeah, 27. But the novelty I think. never wears off. It's like, oh my God, I'm shocked and amazed. We actually did this. Well, I'm glad that we did it and that we didn't talk for too long. So I think breaking it up into two parts is really working for yeah, us. Yeah, I think it opens up an avenue. And then I heard, I was listening to another podcast person that I follow and she ended up announcing that she's going to just start doing every other week because it was too much pressure for her. That's kind of what we're doing because for us when we were reading a book, doing notes on it, recording, editing, all doing that all, every week is too By much. We, you mean you, so right? We <laughs> I was well, reading and going, oh my God, I feel like I can't read fast enough. At least this way, because we're doing one book every two mm -hmm. weeks, because we're breaking it up into two parts. In the meantime, in between, we can read random stuff. Oh yeah, stuff. what are you reading now? Well, I'm doing that audio book for the Bridgerton. What's it called? The Viscount Who Loved Me. Yeah, I was trying to find the audio book for... There is, I couldn't find an audiobook for Ice Planet Barbarian because I wanted to see, because another podcast I was listening to was talking about the voices that they use. And so I wanted to hear it to see what it was like, but I couldn't find it. Did you look on Amazon? I looked on, well, I was trying to do the Libby, do, check it out through the library. Oh, okay. Because you have to buy it if it's on you know, Amazon. Yeah. Yeah. I am reading, I know you're going to be shocked, but another <laughs> Ruby Dixon book called the prisoner planet barbarian. And the reason I'm reading it is because I had read another book of hers. If it's not ice planet barbarians or ice home series or the dragon series, then I get a little confused. And I read a book out of order. I read book two instead of book one. And I thought, Oh, I have to go back and read book one so I, I went back mm -hmm. to this book and this is book one of another series <laughs> okay wow. yeah well she's got so many books out you broke up a little bit but you're talking about her reading order but I think if you go in her, well, I know if you go in her uh, Facebook group, a bunch of people have done reading orders. And I think there's some in there that you could probably find that covered the Corsairs. Well, let me tell you, her order. the spreadsheets on her are mm -hmm. they're they're insane. insane and confusing. Well, try the Hoopla app oh, okay. for the audiobook because that's actually how I listen to most of my audiobooks. All right, right now. I will try that. That's what I'm using for the Bridgerton mm -hmm. audiobook. And I actually got the book for this podcast that we're talking about through Libby. I read it from the library. So Oh, you did? I did, yeah. I was able to find it on there. Hmm. So I always check KU and then I check Libby and then I check who. All right. <laughs> I'll have to start following what you do. Yeah. All right. So um that's it. That's it. And I guess I'll see you tomorrow and we'll do French toast, our brioche French toast. And we'll have and to 
report back on if it was and good our or pork not. bacon. Do you need me to bring anything? You have syrup and everything. I have everything, cool. so we're good. All right. Well, I have the joy of seeing my grandchildren while I'm there, or no? I make oh, no promises as to what the no. <laughs> yes, okay. <you> will. <laughs> yeah, this is getting ridiculous. They'll be married with children before I see them again. <laughs> well. I don't yeah. know what to tell you. <laughs> All right, babe. All right. All right I'll talk bye, to you honey. later. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Bonded Books Podcast. You can rate and review us on Spotify and Apple Podcast. Our email is bondedbookspodcast at gmail.com. And check the show notes for a link to all of our social media. Mm-hmm.